Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. You know, here we are technically two weeks into the season, a week before race number two, and there's like nothing going on. We didn't have a show last week because there was nothing to talk about. I thought it was because we were in an Easter Bunny candy coma. No, there was actually nothing to talk about. Oh, I was in an Easter Bunny candy coma. Well, there there was that too, but it it just seems really odd this year that you know here we are in the season and, and nothing is going on. That, that's really kind of rare. Well, it is, but people are still like kind of in lockdown too, so they're going from one place to another and they're doing their quarantine. What are, what trouble are they going to get into? Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, I'm just not used to this. It, it, it's weird. It is. It is. I mean, you'd think that at least, you know, Lando would be out there playing e-games or something. Yeah, and I haven't... But then again, I haven't been following Twitter. So he might be posting and, and doing stuff because, you know, right now Formula One, and, and this is why we had the big gap. So folks didn't realize this. Um, but the reason why we had the big gap between... Bahrain and the start of the European season is because of the requirement for the teams to go into quarantine for two weeks. Yeah. So they're all popping out of quarantine this week to start setting up at Imola. Okay. So hopefully we'll be seeing stuff. Hopefully. I mean, we have a couple stories. First of all, last year during the big COVID lockdowns, you know, we knew what a lot of drivers were doing. All like Lando. We knew what Lando was doing. We knew what George was doing, mostly with a shirt off. (laughs) Um, (laughs) You know, we we knew what Charles Leclerc was doing and the fact that his girlfriend subscribed to his premium Twitch feed just to get his attention so that he could come downstairs and unlock the door for her because she left her keys in. (laughs) There was that. Excellent. I mean... If you need to get a boy's attention. Apparently, it's subscribed to the Twitch feed. Yeah. His premium Twitch feed. Yes. <laughs> Does that mean that she actually paid him to get into his apartment? Yes. That is actually For the day. so strange. Because from my very limited knowledge of Twitch streams, it, she could have just put it into the chat and hope he would notice it. I think that she probably did, and he didn't notice it. Oh. So, we've found out what Sebastian Vettel was doing. Did he have another kid? He did not. He actually, he completed an internship to learn more about organic farming. So, he's now part of the F1 sustainability program. Uh, Apparently, to some extent, yes. So, apparently... Um, Seb has spoken about his interest in nature and farming, and he was unveiled as an ambassador for the Bio Biennin Apfel Initiative this week that looks to protect habitats for insects. He said, since I had more time than I had actually planned, I thought about what I could do and what interests me. That's what interests me. At some point, you realize that not every vegetable is the same. Not every apple has the same nutrients. And then you ask why. Then you realize very quickly where the apple comes from and how it is grown. And that's how the doors opened for me. 
The theory interests me and I read about it a lot, but to learn more from the practical side and talk to the people who, who deal with it on a day-to-day -day basis, that was very interesting. So how is he applying this? Mm -hmm. Well, he wanted to plant a meadow for his daughters um, at their home in Switzerland in the shape of a heart. Okay. Um, he said he didn't want to settle for a small heart. Initially staked it out. It was kind of small. He's like, so I staked it out and made it a bit bigger. Because he's a big heart. Get it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he said the girls were there at the beginning, but then I was alone with the spade and that was very exhausting. He should have stuck with a small heart. <laughs> <laughs> he said last year a little bit came up, but I'm looking forward to seeing more sprouts this year. Interesting. Who knew Sebastian Vettel was an organic farmer? I want to know if he's going to get a goat. I don't know. I mean, some of the things that we have learned about Seb, besides the fact that he has a pretty harsh temper, mm -hmm. he apparently is also a very big fan of British comedy. Oh, yeah. In particular, Monty Python. Yes. Yes. It's one of the reasons why, um, A, his English is pretty good, but mm -hmm. also... Um, he's very, how do I say this? He's known to have a better sense of humor than the average German tends to have. Definitely. For the English audience, because he relates through mm -hmm. the, the puns and the, the type of humor that was, is so great about Monty Python. Um, but he did some type of like internship, not internship, but like, uh, exchange program in England when he was younger. So he lived there with a family, and that's where he fell in love with Monty Python. Oh, that'll explain it then. Yeah. Um, I knew that before I ever knew that he had children or that he was married. So, you know, priorities in Seb's lack of sharing about his personal life. <laughs> True. But we heard about that actually from Christian Horner. Because mm -hmm. that was Christian Horner going, I don't understand all the hate that's directed at Seb because he's... He's a really nice guy, which I've heard that about him. Just people back then didn't like him with his finger because he was winning, which I didn't really care about. But Well, you know, they everybody throws shade on somebody that they think is winning because they've got the best things. I mean, it's amazing how many people talk about how amazing a driver Lewis is, and he's won so much recently. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I think it's because he's done so much time in the sport that he's got a little bit more grace and he's not being told that, like, oh, you're only winning because you're in the fastest car. They, they talk about his skill. They did yeah. not talk about Vettel's skill when he was winning. It was, he was in the well, fastest car. It was Adrian they, Newey's win. But they didn't because Red Bull had also made it really clear that their big strategy was to get that car out front so that they didn't have to deal with everything. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, while we're on the subject of Germans? Aston Martin, well, German, Germans, Aston Martin, same, same general area, uh, they have named Nico Hulkenberg as their official um, test and reserve and development driver for the remainder of 2021. Wasn't he their reserve driver last year? Wasn't he their reserve driver last year? He was, but it was just for the year. So they've named it now for this year as well. It'll be awesome to see Hulk come when somebody else tests negative for 
and test positive for COVID. So you're rooting for somebody to get sick. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm rooting for Hulk to be able to drive. Was that it? I like watching him drive. He's a good driver. Also known as she's rooting for someone to get sick. I mean, keep in mind, since Lance has already tested positive once, he has some antibodies. So really, we're only talking about seven. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So hopefully by now you have seen all of Drive to Survive. And all of... Valtteri Bottas. Yes, that too. <laughs> um, you know, spoiler alert, Drive to Survive doesn't show us much about the last race of the year, doesn't really highlight the championship, doesn't, yeah. Finishing it, Silverstone on three wheels. Yeah, once again, miss some really key dramatic points in the season but their goal is not to talk about the things that we've already talked about now yeah i would love it if they would do some interviews around that pivotal moment and what was going on and what were people's reactions to it but they're trying to talk about the stuff that people didn't talk about in fact i'll be honest i think that drive to survive took their um idea from our show we don't do race reviews we don't do you know all of the hype of driver of the day or driver of the week or you know any of that type of stuff we don't talk a lot about like what necessarily happened we talk about the business of formula one we talk about the personalities off the track or on the side of the track or in the but, wall. But I think, arguably, we don't tend to create drama where no drama existed. Oh, no, 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 no. We we do not do reality television fake drama. And and that's what, what I think some folks have gotten a little frustrated with Drive to Survive, particularly this year. Um, now, Zach Brown has come out and said, you know... Formula One really needs to be a bit more accepting of the creative license. Is that what he's that calling Netflix, it? Netflix um, has pursued when it comes. And and one of the areas that, that a lot of people has had some grief about this year was the perceived rivalry or, or the, portray- the, the way it was portrayed that there was a rivalry between Lando Norris and Carlos Sainz Jr. Mm-hmm. When anybody who follows the sports, the, the sport knows that the bromance <laughs> was just as strong this year as it was in previous years. Wasn't there like videos on McLaren's um, YouTube channel um, where they, they had like different challenges that both Carlos Sainz and Lando Calrissian and Norris were doing together? Mm-hmm. Well, it was uh, Sky that did it. With the milk in the pit lane in oh, Barcelona yeah. in the rented car. Ew. <laughs> um, no, I think you described it perfectly. I mean, there is a complete and utter bromance between them. Mm-hmm. It To me, honestly, they remind me so much of a younger version of that connection that you see with uh, Jensen and DC and mm-hmm. Mark Webber. Um, 
you see that connection happening. And those guys, they bonded and did that a little bit older than these two. But that's, they're tight. And I think that everybody's looking for the next big rivalry in in Formula One. Everybody's on the cusp of trying to find out who's going to be the the Hunt Center, who's going to be the... Vettel Alonso? Not even Vettel Alonso. It's the Lewis Rosberg. Um, it's going to be the... Prost Senna. Prost Senna. Um, Hunt Lauda. Hunt Lauda. I mean, like, who's... who's yeah, it wasn't Hunt Senna. Senna. It was Hunt Lauda. Um, who's going to be those those big rivalries that go be, and become epic? You know, that's that's what everybody's looking for. Everybody's like, what's the next one? They keep trying to figure out who's going to be, you know, the challenger to Max or, you know, that type of thing. And quite frankly, it's a lot manufactured. But I also think that COVID specifically, because they've had to spend so much time with each other or in their own little private bubbles, it's just not causing the friction or the public friction. But, okay, let's go back to the three wheels in Silverstone. And and I get the fact that um, Netflix doesn't get the access to Mercedes. Mm-hmm. But they they were at the race that weekend. And, and that's the other thing is they're not at every race weekend. But they were at the race that weekend. And why not show, A, it was an incredibly dramatic event. Mm-hmm. And even if you didn't have access to Mercedes that weekend, the other teams weren't reacting to that. You, I mean, that that that's where I was like, you know, that was really a big deal, and that was almost unheard of to have somebody blast across the finish line on three tires. Oh yeah, and a last minute, and, and the tension of Max hunting him down, and yeah. We know that they were there because they showed us Carlos having his blowout. Mm-hmm. But that was the end of it. And that was, you know, you know, it, it, it was like in season two with the whole thing with Rich Energy that, yeah, they touched on it, but they didn't touch on it. And COVID and the season coming back was really only addressed by Zach Brown. One side of a phone call was Zach Brown and, and Ross Braun. That was where it was like, guys, you pulled up short here. But I think they're trying to tell deeper stories. And that's where... Some of it they are, and some of it they're not. But but some of it is also... And, and it's what the fans... The other thing that the fans have had issues with is the way radio messages and footage has been clipped into the episodes. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they're not in context. Or, you know, audio from one race is dropped over video from another race to make it sound like there was something more going on. And that that's where, you okay, know. But the other thing is, keep in mind, Drive to Survive is trying to attract more than just those of us yeah. hardcore Formula One fans. They're trying to attract people to watch their show. Yeah. That may or may not know what Formula One is really about. So, and I think Zach's got a point. 
there, there no bad is being done here. Yeah, I, I mean, it, it's not, and you know, as Daniel Ricardo will talk about in our next story, he's noticed that you know in America now he does get noticed every once in a while. He does get recognized, and folks come and chat with him, and and there is a distinct impact. But really, the question I have is, what is the story that Drive to Survive is trying to tell? Is it the story of the season? Or is it something else? Well, I think it's something else at this point. I think they're trying to tell the story of the drivers um, to the best of their ability. I kind of think that maybe like they're trying to tell the story of like different teams at different aspects of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, you have the Ferrari, one of the few episodes that I watched with the rest of you, the Ferrari episode in which they told the story of what it was like from Ferrari's point of view during their poor weekend in Italy. Yeah. Well, that was because we had to talk about Ferrari. Because we always have to talk about Ferrari. Well, no, that was the name of the episode. We have to talk about Ferrari. (laughs) Well, yeah, because they were doing so badly that season. Well, that's because they were cheater McCheater pants. Now... Speaking of Daniel Ricardo, So Daniel Ricardo is a bit frustrated, not just at um, Netflix. You know, one of his issues with, with Netflix is um, in season two, they made it seem like there was some sort of a rivalry, rivalry between him and Carlos Sainz. Mm-hmm. It seems to be this common trend of somebody has a rivalry with Carlos. Um, and he's like, yeah, no. <laughs> we get along we like each other and, and yeah we're I can't competitors imagine but... that daniel doesn't get along with people he seems so i'm sure they're reasonably easygoing i'm sure there are a few i'm sure they're all ex-girlfriends but still oh, that may be a two um but even more than that he's upset with f1 and their social channels and how they have been promoting the sport going so far as to call them idiots Wow. His bigger concern, and we mentioned this briefly after Roman's crash, is how much Formula One has been using the crashes and the incidents lately to promote the sport. Um, and you you had something to point out about that. Um, Formula One posted a video of like top 10 moments of, of, of the year of the year for 2020. Eight out of those ten moments were crashes, mm. and Ricardo was not happy about that, claiming that it's like they're tr- that they we aren't twelve. Oh, because that's what he saw it from his point of view was that they were trying to cater to the children that only wanted to watch Formula One just for the crashes. So, I'm of a mixed mind here. Mm-hmm. One, I think it's incredibly intuitive that. He he he's making that connection, and I'm glad that he said it out loud. Um, crashes are spectacular, yeah, and it's really easy to and they're dramatic and they're dramatic and all of those things. And it's really easy to say, <clears throat> you know, this is this thing and it's spectacular, and so you use it to hype up because that's what marketing does. We take the mm-hmm. the biggest and the brightest and the shiniest thing and put it front and center. The problem that we also have is. Not everybody fully understands or can grasp just by seeing it how amazing a pass is. And yeah, yeah, we can we can watch the stopwatch to see a pit crew change a set of tires in sub two seconds, and that's 
just unfathomable to me. But at the same time, some of those nuances, some of the things that the drivers get to see firsthand, that if they were designing the social media strategy, they would put all front and center because those are the technically hard things. They're the, the, ooh, that was really, really amazing. But the average armchair driver doesn't understand what that, what, why that's amazing. The, the thing is, and, and this isn't a Formula One unique problem um it, it is w- with all auto sports and and even like downhill skiing and bobsled and some of these other things where there is a significant element of risk to the sport that element of risk as much as you know yes these are drivers who are on the line and and it is stressful to them and it is concerning to them it is that element of stress and that element of danger that helps create tension and create interest and, and attract people in. And that's why these crashes are part of it. And, and yeah, it, it sucks to be the driver who's involved in that and to feel like your misstep, your mistake, you being put in peril is a highlight. But that's the nature of these sports, unfortunately. And and don't get me wrong, you know, I, I still believe that it's important for safety and, and for drivers to be as safe as possible. And we don't want people crashing for the sake of crashing. And we don't want sprinklers to, to you know, th- fling cars off the track at random things, you know, random moments or anything like that. But the emotional connection that we have with drivers, it's built on when there are these incidents. I mean, look at the perception and, and the how the image of Roman Grosjean changed and the outpouring of support for Roman after that incident. Yeah. Or even t- at another point of view too, Look at how his team leader refused to support Roman, um, Roman in IndyCar. That that's a little different. That that that's that's not around promoting. That that's something a bit different. So what I was going for was there's a bond that the spectator has when they watch somebody walk away from a crash. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's spectacular. It's only spectacular when they walk away. We don't yeah. see repeats of Jules Bianchi's crash. We've never seen video of that crash. Right. Because that's wrong. But Yeah. So, on the one hand, it's the spectacular that brings people in. I mean, look at the other end of the motor car thing everybody in nascar that's what makes the news is mm-hmm. some big crash but, i even know i once knew someone who only watched nascar literally just for the crashes and there's nascar. a lot of people who watch just for the crashes and then on the other side of it is the it's so hard to understand by looking and that's what we do we're not sitting there by looking at it how all of the other things that are equally spectacular 
but we can't see them as being spectacular. Yeah, and you know, he, he goes back to to Roman's crash, and, and a lot of he, he heaps on Formula One, and we talked about this back back in November. He heaps a lot of anger at Formula One over how they replayed the footage of the crash and as often as they replayed that footage. And back then, my feeling was that that, that was a bit of an overreaction from Daniel. And I still kind of feel the same way, um, especially as we knew more about why Formula One did what they did and aired what they did when they aired it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the key things that, that Formula One had mentioned was that when the incident occurred and the, the instant that they knew that this was serious, they didn't show any footage of what was going on. And we couldn't see anything other than that first crash, and that was it. And they did not show anything else until Roman was out of the car and they knew he was okay. Mm-hmm. And that was the first video they showed. And that was done deliberately. And then at that point, once they started showing the video, and the reason why we all wanted to see the video wasn't because we wanted to see the spectacular crash and the fireball. It was the, we wanted what to see just what he's, happened. We wanted to see what he survived. Well, we wanted to see what he survived, and we wanted to understand what happened. Mm-hmm. How did this car end up this way? Yeah. And, and you know, that's what everyone wanted to understand and digest. They didn't want to see Roman slamming into a wall over and over and over again. They wanted to understand what had happened. Mm-hmm. But another idea of where Daniel's anger comes from is the fact that he feels like he, he and the other drivers with, with these crashes are being depicted as clowns. They are being depicted as if they purposely drive off the track and crash just for the sake of entertainment. I, I'm i not sure that that's the case. I mean, I didn't see that in any of his comments, so I'm not sure where you got that from. I just made the compare. I just made some connections to like... Ah, uh, yeah, I, I don't think that that's the case, and I didn't read that from his comments. It's more about the fact that... Um, you know, as a driver, he's putting himself in peril. And the other drivers, when they have these incidents, are putting themselves in peril. And this is being promoted as being, you know, spectacular and exhibitionist and something. And that's more what his concern is. As opposed to, hey man, my life's in danger. Mm-hmm. So... Alpine has once again said, for third, fourth time? Something like that. That they do not have a number one and number two driver. Maybe they can't count to number one and number two. I don't know. Oh, wait, they're French. They've got an un and a du. Yeah, they are insistent that they are going to treat Fernando and Esteban the same. And sometimes one driver may get the new parts and sometimes the other one, but they don't have a number one and number two driver. Please stop asking us because we don't have a number one and number two driver. But they're going to tell us again in three weeks that they don't have a number one and number two driver. But some drivers are more equal than others. Possibly. We shall see how long that takes. Gunther Steiner says that... um, 
they are not putting any effort into anything other than fighting for position with Williams. Fighting for last? That's what he says. Is is that's their goal is to do better than Williams. Oh my. Which um I, I think first they need to figure out how to get Nikita around the track. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean keep more in mind. than once. Keep in mind, he's finished exactly the same number of Formula One races that I have. Yeah. By the way, Mick, and, and admittedly, you know, Mick is young. He's still learning. Uh, Mick says that he thinks that it's realistic for Haas to be fighting for Q2. I don't quite think so. I in, think that's overly optimistic. In the rain when a bunch of other cars crashed in Q1. Possibly. That's how you get the Here's positions. the thing. If Mick is able to get that Haas into Q2 on a regular basis this year, my prediction will be that in 2022, Mick is no longer with Haas because Ferrari is going to go and find a way to get him either into Alpha or into Ferrari themselves. Yep. I agree with you. If he's that good. He's not that good yet he might be one day i don't think he's there yet i think he may be living the idea of the 2010 back market teams and how at some at random points in that in some of those years you would get a caterham qualifying in in q2 or a marusha managing to make it into q2 well, yeah, and that's what I was saying was if all of the other things line up where you've got a bunch of front marker teams that are out of position because they, for whatever reason, had an issue and couldn't get out of Q1, that's how they're going to get up to Q2, not on merit, on attrition. I, I didn't realize that on those occasions that there were, they managed to make it to Q2 that there was some sort of problem. But okay. So James Allison's got a promotion. He did. He has been promoted to the chief technical officer as of July first. Um, so this will move. Previously, he was a technical director. Um, Mike Elliott will move into that role. Uh, but uh, yeah, James will be the CTO, and and I kind of think that this is. Probably a prelude to once Toto decides that he wants to have a bigger role within the Mercedes organization to James be becoming team principal. That makes some it's sense. It's kind of what I think is happening here. That kind of makes the, the, sense. This is, you know, the, the transition plan and growing him into a role kind of a thing. The ascension plan? Yeah, something like that. Um, So... Silverstone is pushing very hard for a capacity crowd this year. Capacity? Wow. Yeah. Um, they are looking for a full house uh, in large part. So the current roadmap for events in Britain only allows 25% capacity for events. Mm-hmm. Um, Silverstone has said that um, with only 10,000 fans, which is what that 25% capacity is, they're not going to make money. And as we know, Silverstone's been cutting it close when it comes to their budgets for the last couple of years. And future of the race was in doubt because of that. Um, So they are pushing really hard 
to get a higher number of fans in attendance there. Um, as part of this, they are endorsing a plan for vaccine passports. Got it. Which I think is, it's a good approach. Mm-hmm. I think it's a valid approach. We'll see what happens. We don't know if the British government's going to change their rules. Right now, they're still trying to decide what they want to do with vaccine passports. Um, but if that happens, we could see bigger crowds over at Silverstone. That would be interesting. And our last story. Again, not much going on this week. But on Wednesday of this week, the Miami Gardens City Council is going to vote on a new resolution uh, put forth by the mayor with the backing of real estate billionaire Stephen Ross to once again try and hold a race, a Formula One race, at Dolphin Stadium in 2022. Oh, my word. They need to give this up. So, as a reminder, and and I, I think it's interesting how they're now talking about it because I did I did catch a, a slight change in the language which caught my attention. Okay. So, previous efforts were derailed by opposition from local residents, and in October, local residents launched a civil rights lawsuit against Miami Dade County, the Miami Dolphins organization, which is owned by Stephen Ross and Formula One for racial discrimination. Okay. So, interestingly, when I first started hearing that they were looking to try and introduce this new resolution, it was tagged with the phrase that this would be the first time that Formula One would be hosted in a predominantly African-American city. And I went, what? Apparently, that's in response to this lawsuit. Oh, my. Now, yes, Miami Gardens is um, a majority African-American city. But apparently, now they're trying to hype the fact that this would be the first time that a Formula One race would be held in an African-American, majority African-American populated city. As if that's going to make these civil rights concerns just magically go away. I thought like this whole we race as one campaign and in Saudi Arabia um, would have just solved this whole thing just like poof. Well, it would have if they'd kept the rainbow, but they got rid of the rainbow, so <laughs> they can't. Yeah. I have I, I have no uh, words. I honestly have no words. It's a bad track in a bad venue. I don't care about anything else. It's going to be a bad race. And I thought all of the neighbors didn't want it because there's houses right there. Well, so they don't want it, but um, they're pledging to a $5 million or they're pledging $5 million to fund community benefits programs and businesses in the city and a STEM program for local children that will be implemented by F1. They've changed the layout so it doesn't use 199th Street, which is the main road that goes in front of the stadium. Okay. Okay, fine. Whatever. Um, and they're going to put up uh, noise mitigation barriers and monitor air quality and noise throughout the event. So what happens if it goes above the decibel level for the monitoring? They're going to know that it went loud? Hey, Bill. You huh? got to talk softer, okay? Huh? <laughs> I can't hear you over that yeah. giant engine. Talk softer. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, what's going to happen? You know, Bubba on the sidelines going to go, well, we hit the decibel level. They're not going to stop the race. Somebody yeah. else is going to go, well, we're hitting the carbon dioxide uh, emissions. Turn the fans on. Oh, I, I think. <laughs> <laughs> monitoring throughout the event that does not do anything wasn't all hope for the new jersey grand prix dismissed for the same exact reason no oh no that new jersey fell apart because they had problems getting funding and then superstorm sandy happened and the government support disappeared because they were not willing to provide any money to build anything at that point because mm-hmm. they needed it for the recovery efforts Nothing to do with noise or air quality. Okay. Or incredibly stupid idea. However, so on the, well, I guess we'll know on Wednesday. On Wednesday, whether or not this passes. There's nothing that I have seen so far that indicates that there is enough support in the city council to approve this, but the resolution's going to happen. I'm just saying. I know of one Formula One fan in South Florida that would be super excited if her driver was coming for a race in Miami. Okay. Because she's not going any other race. (laughs) Fair enough. All right. On that note, we'll call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay.